Welcome to episode number 99 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. In this week's episode, I'm interviewing Nasima McElroy, and you probably know Nasima because if you're one of her 150,000 followers on Instagram, you've probably seen a couple of her reels, which are fantastic. If not, definitely go check them out. Nasima McElroy is a uh, RN and FMP. She's a published author, and she's also the founder of Financially Intentional, a platform about personal finance and living life intentionally. She has no shortage of personal experience with which to um, be an expert and stand out as an example of what's possible. She has overcome bankruptcy. She's gone through divorce. um, And then she talks about living paycheck to paycheck and how she has created financial independence, stability, and how she is creating financial wealth for herself and for her family. So she's an incredible human. It was a pleasure to interview her. And we talked a lot about things like changes, pivots in career, and how to what what steps you could take just if you were like, my personal finance sounds like I'd rather stick hot pokers in my eyes. You're not alone. But we talk in this interview about a couple of the things that you can start doing today, which are super simple and which are um, easy for you to do. So, um, so without further delay, here's Nasima. She is a powerhouse of information. She is an example of what's possible. And I hope you enjoy this interview. And uh, it was just a pleasure to get to know her and to speak with her. So let's go. All right, Nasima, I'm so glad that you're here. And I got to admit to you, I did not think that you would respond to my message when I reached out to you on Instagram and sent you a DM. Um, so I am, I'm very excited that you're here. I love your message. I love your videos and your reels on Instagram. I think they're fantastic. Okay. So introduce yourself if you would, please, for people who, again, don't know you and I don't know what rock they're living under, but let's just, let's get to the cut to the chase. Tell people who you are and what you do a little bit, and then we'll go from there. Well, I am Nasima. Uh, I guess now I'm a mom first, which is crazy because I never thought I would have kids. But um, mom, labor and delivery nurse, FMP licensed, not practicing. Um, and then I like a personal finance enthusiast. I like to call myself because I'm just continuously learning. Um, but yeah, I have a platform where I help people become more intentional about their finances. Okay. So let's just back it up a minute here and just talk about, okay, where we, where it all started. Okay. So what came first? Cause did you start as a, um, BSN prepared nurse or did I can't remember off of your history? You know what is, that's a very interesting story and I don't share it enough, but no, I actually started in healthcare administration. So I have a double master's. I have a master's in healthcare administration because first of all, I wanted to be a doctor because I thought doctors could, um, help with access issues because growing up, I only had healthcare through community clinic and it was always a horrible experience. So I was like, I want to be a doctor. I want to make a difference. Then I got to college and I realized what doctors do. And I was like, eh, I'll pass. And then, so I literally flipped through the course catalog and was like, what can I do? And I basically discovered healthcare administration. But at that time it was under the school of public policy. So I got my bachelor's degree in public policy, then went in and straight through and got a full scholarship for a master's in healthcare administration, did administration, um, got this really prestigious fellowship at um, a big hospital chain, which shall remain unnamed because I'm not a big fan. Um, (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I worked there in administration doing a fellowship, which meant that I rotated through all the different areas in administration, 
um, and did that. But before that, I worked there as well in different um, areas. So um, got a, a really wide breadth of administration and then realized that the healthcare industry was more of a business from that perspective, but I worked with some incredible nurses. Um, and so when it was time for me to exit that fellowship and go into um, getting a real job, like, which would be like an entry-level manager um, in a department, I was like, mm, I'm not interested. So I told my boss that I was actually um, retiring and I decided to go back to nursing school. So I did an accelerated program through UCSF. Um, to got my, and through UCSF, the reason why I mentioned that is because it's unique because it's just a licensure year because they're technically a graduate school and can't offer undergrad degrees. So I oh, okay. did my first year there and then um, continued on to my FMP, which is why I have my FMP because if I did not finish my master's, I would not have a degree in nursing, even though I have my other degree to have a nursing degree, you have to go all the way through your master's. Okay. So you go through the accelerated program, you uh, do the FMP program, and then how do you get into labor and delivery? Like what's that? What, what does that look like? <laughs> so literally that's another interesting story. When I um, was going through nursing school, it was like, at the, it was 2009. So imagine 2009, the height of the recession, like they were not trying to give new grads jobs. Right. And so I'm sitting in an auditorium and this, um, the CNO comes to the CNO of UCSF, the hospital comes over and talks to us. And she's like, you know, it's unprecedented times and we're not really offering people jobs. So we had a class of 83 and this might be important later. So let me just tell you something out of 83 people in 2009, I was the only black person in that class, mm -hmm. that whole <laughs> but class. out of a class of 83, um, there were only three people that had jobs at graduation. And fortunately I was one of them because what happened was when I decided to, um, Purdue pursue my nursing degree, I like did this random thing. I like moved to Texas and just did hella prereqs. So at one point I was doing like nine prereqs at a time and also get a phlebotomy license because I had no clinical experience and I wanted to get some hands-on experience before I went into nursing school. So I got my phlebotomy license and I'm like, okay, I end up moving back to the Bay area and, um, I'm like trying to get a phlebotomy job, but with my resume, they see all this administration experience and they're just like, we have all these other positions you could fill. So what ended up happening is I ended up landing this job at this hospital, um, working basically as a secretary to the CNO. And so this is like oh, the point where it's like, okay, like I have been like in all these high level management positions, but I'm just taking this temp job until I get into nursing school and not really telling people what like my background is, but like that CNO job, I got to work with all of the nurses at the hospital. And so they love my work ethic. I was in all of their meetings. I did all of their notes. And so when it was time to come out of nursing school, every manager was like, 
what department they were basically like, do you want to come work with me? I have a job for you. Okay. So they created a job for me. And so because I was going into the F and P program, I was like, I want to do some more family centered things. So let me um, start off in the birthing center. Let me start off, you know, in postpartum is where I started. So I did a year in postpartum train there and then transitioned to L and D my second year as a nurse. And I've been there ever since, even after I finished my FMP. Um, so all through FMP school, all that I worked um, as a labor and delivery nurse and just loved it. It was like, I don't, I don't know where you are, but I'm in California in the Bay Area specifically and um, in the Bay Area, nurse practitioners and bedside nurses pay is like way different like nurse bedside nurses like make significantly more um than mp and i had a, actually a really hard time going through mp school i actually got failed in my second year and ended up having to do an educational assessment where i found out almost at 30 that i have adhd and so i had to mm -hmm. repeat a year of um of MP school. And I was really bummed about being an MP. The clinicals I had, I hated them because I, the doctors I work with or the nurses I work with always made more money than them. And they are always hella burnt out. The charting was horrible. It yeah. was like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to prescribe Viagra and promethazine and codeine all day. Like that's what I was seeing. And I never really like found a position that I was so fulfilled um, in as being a bedside nurse. And I would then to do that, I would have to take minimum a $20 an hour pay cut. And so I was like, you know, yeah, right in the hell with that. It was, I was like, I would love to be an MP in a capacity where I felt like I could serve. There was one clinical that I ended up being in. And ironically, let me just tell you a story is that the reason why I got in this clinical is they were trying to um, bully me in nursing school. So the lady that failed me, they made me do my clinicals with her and work directly with her. And you know, the kind of antics they pull in yeah. medical and in nursing school, it was like that. So they thought they was going to break me and maybe I would drop out because yeah. I had to work with her because she was a really intimidating person, but it ended up being the best clinical and ended up that she really loved me. Like at the end of that clinical, it was like totally regretting failing me, all this kind of stuff. And it was actually a clinical, um, working in a young women's clinic, but it was only like a half day. So you go in for a half day and you see uh, pregnant women, but really early, like teens, early twenties. Mm -hmm. And that was actually like a job. I was like, I would love to do that if I was an MP, but I've never saw, saw jobs um, like that posted. So um, yeah, that was like the one thing I considered doing as an MP that would be rewarding. But like I said, I never like really found any jobs that I felt like I, I could serve in in capacity and maybe potentially pay, take a pay cut to give me the same level of fulfillment that I get from my L&D position. So you still do L&D today? Today. Well, you know, I've been on maternity leave for seven, well, eight months. <laughs> Good for you. Oh, I'm going back soon. Yes. Thank uh -huh, you. Uh-huh. Sure you are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. We all know how that goes. Um, okay. So do you, so, but do you anticipate you go back to the floor? You're right. You're yeah, like, I'm definitely I'm ready. going back in a few weeks. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So how then does all of the, 
wellness or, um, excuse me, the wealth generation and kind of the financial, I'm sorry, I don't remember the phrase that you used, um, to describe kind of what you do, but Mm -hmm. where does this all come into play? So, um, personal finance enthusiast. (laughs) So you're welcome. (laughs) So, um, it was at the point where, um, I had my daughter, I I was going to be a single mom. Um, and first of all, let me just, this is give you guys this rule of thumb. If you don't know, don't buy anything when you're pregnant because you tend to buy things. You go into like a kind of psychosis. And so I bought this big house. I bought this um, five bedroom, five and a half bath house in Northern California for me and my daughter. Um, I borrowed money money from my 403B to do it. Um, And I got into a point where I had 36 windows in my house and I had to buy blinds for those windows and I had totally depleted all my money. So I had to ask my sister to borrow money. And that was like a breaking point because I was like, I thought I was good with money and I've always been good at like making money, but I never understood how to build wealth. And so I said, I'm done with all this education. I'm not in school full-time. I'm not working full-time. Like it was the first time. Yes, I had two jobs, but I wasn't going to school as well. So I was like, I'm going to use the same energy that I put into getting these degrees to learning about personal finances, to learn about what it takes to truly build wealth, because I didn't have any examples in my life. And I used to listen to podcasts all the time because I had an hour commute to my job. And so um, I was like, I'm going to turn this podcast listening time into personal finance podcasts and audio books about personal finance. And I'm going to learn it. And not only did I just listen to these things, um, I started slowly taking action on things. And um, so that's how I got into like teaching myself um, about money. And then I was just like, this information is actually not that hard. Why wasn't I taught this? And why don't we know this? And so in my friend group, I have a whole bunch of girlfriends I've known from middle school and high school, and we still hang out. And we, most of us have daughters. There's like two boys sprinkled in there, but it's a whole lot of girls. And I was like, I have to teach my friends this because we have to do, we have to teach our daughters this, like that has to be their norm. And so we were having a sleepover at my house with all the girls running around. And I was like, you guys, I'm learning these things that have really helped me in a short period of time, get my money together. Um, do you guys want to learn about it too? And I was like, yeah, of course. And I said, you know, I really hate repeating myself. So I'm gonna just put it out there, like in social media, Instagram was on the newer side. I was like, I'm going to create an Instagram account and I'm going to share all this stuff on there. Will you guys follow me? And, the, and and learn there. And it was like, cool. So I created that, my Instagram account for my group of friends. And as I was sharing, initially, it was just like my debt payoff journey. I started getting a lot of traction because the numbers were insane, right? And so that- Wait, 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 just tell, took wait. Off. Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you mean numbers were insane? Numbers of followers well, or numbers of how you were paying off your debt? Numbers of debt, the amount of debt. First of, the, uh, first of all, the amount of debt that I had was kind of insane. But initially, I just would put my debt payoff numbers- And once I started implementing techniques such as zero-based budgeting and um, the debt snowball, which I had learned, um, like I was paying off, you know, five figures in debt a month. 
And so like when I would share this, people was like, wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. And then I would just share little things I learned on podcasts, like quick tips and all of these kind of things. So it started getting picked up. Um, first by like pod people on podcasts or people who had um, online journals and these things. And so the more I started sharing my story, the more people were like, wait a minute, can you help me? And I'm like, girl, I'm just learning how to help myself. I can't help you. But what I can do is provide the information like I was sharing, like in the resources that I'm learning from. And so, yeah, that's how my platform pretty much took off. Okay. So, all right. So you're building, so you're like, I'm just going to do this for some of my friends. We're going to teach our daughters how to uh, understand money, how to make money work for us. Yeah. Pay down the debt. Okay. So then, so, and then where does the book come in? Smart money. Okay. (laughs) So where, how does the book come in? And then where does, um, like, how does it build from there? Is it just like, no, I just made myself an example of what to do. And I showed everybody about what I was doing. And then the, the, you know, followers or the, the interest and the subsequent, um, collaborations came from there or like, what do you, what do you think was kind of the way in which you created a community around this work that you do? So this is very interesting. So as intentional as I am with my money, my business grew very unintentionally because I never wanted it to be a business. I didn't like look at it as a business. I just thought about it as something I would do as a hobby for fun. Um, And so I would just get these random opportunities literally just in my inbox. And so I started my platform like just posting online in 2016. Um, I started my jet payoff journey in 2015, but started posting about it in 2016. And, um, you know, I literally just started getting things in my inbox. Like, are you interested in doing this? Are you interested in speaking here? Are Mm. you interested in sharing your story? And the book came about, it was really interesting because it was by this non-traditional publisher. And, you know, once you start getting in business and having an online presence, like a book represents credibility and a physical product and these things that you can say, I've done that. And so I was like, I know I wanted to write a book, but I did not think I had the capacity to write a book. And I was just like, always, that was always something that I put off. And this non-traditional publisher kind of reached out to me with this um, kind of uh, way that it would make it easy for me to write a book. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to write a book, I can do it this way. It's, it doesn't seem too challenging. The timeline was really sh- uh, short, as I told you before we started recording. Mm-hmm. I wrote my book in eight weeks. But when I signed up for it, I didn't anticipate like the pandemic happening at the same time and the demands on me as a nurse because I was working so much, not even not only as a nurse, but as a my daughter had just started kindergarten. So I would literally work a 12-hour shift. and she would get these homework packages sent home and she didn't know how to read. So then I would have to be a teacher. So I'm writing a book, being a teacher um, and doing all of these things at once. And so, yeah, that's how how that happened. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of things that happened just because I had the audacity to try something new, something outside Mm -hmm. of my comfort zone, something that I'm not a, I'm not a trained financial expert, but I have, 
had great successes that I wanted to share. And so I like to tell people who are want to try something new or want to venture off into a different area, like just try it and see. And the amount of things that I have learned in just building this platform, and it's by far perfect, but the opportunities that have been available to me, the people that I have been been able to be exposed to just for sharing my story have been incredible. So give us, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think you're, you're a tremendous example of just what's possible when you have an interest in something, right? So many of us have an interest and we just have an itch and we don't do anything with it. Or some of us do something with it. And then we, you know, there are those of us in the world who do something with it and we then go and share it. And we make sure that other people understand and, or we expose them to it and they come along for the ride if they so feel inclined. And you're a great example of that. Um, Uh, If you would um, tell us, give us a sense of this, uh, what I think the average NP, CNM, CRNA nurse, you know, who's looking maybe at some debt on the back end, right? They've got some school debt, probably maybe they have some personal debt, maybe they have some home debt. I just, I'm curious what, when you start talking about financial health, financial wealth building, Mm-hmm. what, where do, where does the average nurse start and where do you, what advice, if you had to give a couple of, um, recommendations or tips, what do you tell that, that, that person? I think it's so easy, especially like nowadays to think that the answer is to do something else, like do something out of the bedside or go explore this different opportunity, be an entrepreneur and all these things. And not everybody wants to do that, but they think that like that's a way to um, get better financially um, or go do travel nursing or whatever the, the latest thing is, you know, it changes every year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best way to get ahead in your finances is to start exactly where you are and start being really intentional about your money. Um, most nurses, wherever they work, if they would have like done some really simple things from that, um, from their first job and implemented some simple habits, they would have in 10 years or less been in a position to be financially independent and not have to work for their money. And these are the simple things, right? The simple things are making sure you know what goes in and what comes out, right? And that sounds like, okay, like most people don't understand like to the dollar level, how much they make every month and then how much it costs them to live. The other thing is, if you create a rule for yourself to live off of less than what you make and invest the rest, you'll be good. And let me tell you something. I didn't learn how to invest until I was 36. So if investing seems intimidating to you, understand that you're already an investor, number one, because most nurses work for hospital organizations or companies where you have retirement accounts. And if you in any way have contributed to that retirement account, you are an investor. Now you just have to be intentional about your investing. And this does not mean that you have to learn how to trade stocks or do some high level things like invest in crypto and do all these crazy things that you hear in the news. It's really about setting, um, a set it and forget it like approach to investing. Right. And so my approach is called the hella simple, you know, because it really is right. 
Um, the things that you can do is, first of all, just figure out who runs your retirement account at your job. And the goal is always going to be like to be in a position to max out your 401k or 403b, which I have every year, right? Which right now is about $22,000. That's like hella money. If you think like you haven't, <laughs> you haven't started yep. investing, but if, if you're not at that point, then you start by doing like 10%. So you, you find the number to the person who runs your retirement account, like a fidelity. And then you call them and be like, Hey, I have this retirement account. I'm really just trying to understand it. First of all, they have great customer service. And you know how I know I call them for fun because that's what I like to do for fun. Yeah. And they're always so helpful. <laughs> and so I call them and I say, I have this retirement account. I'm really trying to understand. Can you look at my account for me and see like, first of all, is my money in invested that's a question that you right off ask, the right? bat are right we off, yes are we uh -huh. invested because are we doing anything is, with the cash yes yeah. sometimes people are contributing to these accounts but they sit in a glorified bank account and those funds aren't invested yeah. uh, i don't think it's as common as it was before because i think that now because that was so common um you might end up in what's called like a target date fund like say for example if you're gonna turn whatever the retirement age is 65 in 2056 then it would say target date fund 2056 right and so some mm -hmm. of your money ends up there right and say okay if your funds are in a target fund okay you know you're invested um then you could say like um how much do I need to invest per paycheck or um, what does it look like if I invested 10% um, of my paycheck every month and start at 10%. I would always say uh, have people start at 10% and then you can even set it in your um in your brokerage account or whatever, I mean, not sorry, you're in your account with your brokerage um, to increase it like 1% or 2% every year. So it's kind of automated, but know that 10% is your baseline. Your goal is to max it out. Um, but that's one thing um, that you could easily just do right now without making more money. And what you will realize is that because these accounts, and I'm talking about just a traditional um, 401k, not a Roth, it decreases your taxable income. Um, and let me just tell you, this is not financial advice because I don't know your particular income. You might benefit from a Roth or you um, might benefit from a traditional IRA, but I'm just giving some examples. Yeah. Um, but uh, for example, I, I, the reason why a traditional 401k worked for me is because I'm in California and I'm a high income earner. We also have really high taxes. And so um, those contributions um, decrease my taxable income and then decrease how much um, is in my paycheck is going towards taxes, um, help me save for retirement at the same time. So I'm like, if I'm going to choose between paying myself and paying the IRS, I'm going to pay myself yep. every time. Every so, time. Um, the bottom line is your paycheck will not change as much as you think it is. So if you already feel like, ah, I'm already kind of in a tight position, um, it's not going to impact your pay as much. And it's not a hard thing to do. That'll make a substantial difference in the future. The other thing is learning how to budget and budget is like this bad word that has been Ooh. thrown around that is mm. meant to like mean deprivation and that doesn't mean deprivation budgeting to me means that I am able to afford the things that I love I'm a YSL girl I love YSL I drive a Tesla Model X <laughs> you know like I like fancy things but I 
like to make sure, and I love to travel. We're, we're always traveling. My, my baby is seven months and she's been to two countries in eight city rounds, you know, eight different cities. And so we travel. Okay. And so, but those are the things that I prioritize. What ends up happening is, is that you want to do the things, um, but you don't prioritize for them. And so you end up either going to debt for them or, um, going into debt to do those things or not really you're buying things and they're not really fulfilling. So when I started on this journey, I'm going to throw this number out there and people are going to be like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Right. I was making about $230,000 as a bedside nurse. Right. Cause I had two jobs. Um, and I could not tell you, like I said, I could not afford the blinds in my house. And they were maybe like at the time, maybe like $2,000. Right. And I could not afford that. Like, how am I making $230,000 and not being able to afford blinds? It's like, I just did not understand where my money was going because I was not intentional with Mm -hmm. what was coming in and what was going out. And so it wasn't until I sat down and looked at those numbers. Now I used to think I was budgeting because I had the mint app. I'm like an early adapter of mint rest in peace. And, um, (laughs) <laughs> and it was because I was tracking transactions in the back end. Effective yeah. budgeting is telling your money where to go in advance and prioritizing those things that are important to you. For me, initially, when I started budgeting, I knew I wanted to be out of debt by a certain date. And so I knew I was like, I want to throw like a thousand dollars a month towards my debt. That And then, so I always made sure I hit that goal and adjusted my line items, my other um, variable expenses around that, as opposed to what most people do is they say, you know, I'm making about $10,000 a month. You know, I should be at the end of the month able to throw a thousand dollars at this debt but they don't end up doing it because you know what they do? They go to Starbucks, hella times, which if you're a Starbucks girl, that's fine. They go mm-hmm. to Target. They go to that little front section and shit that they don't need to buy. Yep. And they fill up their cart with that. And it's those things like, I'm not saying don't buy things, but if you prioritize spending money on the things that you love versus just buying stuff, you'll be so much more fulfilled in the long run. And that goes with everything. And, um, so budgeting, I use zero-based budgeting, which means that I don't, I, um, assign every single one of my dollars. I allocate every single one of my dollars to an expense or uh, something that I want to achieve every month. And so all my money is designated so that it is working for me. And it's not, and because most people do, your money goes into a bank account and it just disappears and you don't know where it's going. So now I know where every single one of my dollars is going. And if you have debt, um, prioritize that debt payoff. Um, I always encourage nurses, if you have student loan debt, um, that is, um, less than your annual salary, attack it aggressively. So if you make $100,000 a year and you owe less than $100,000, attack it aggressively. Um, But if you make more, it's going to be worth working with someone to help you figure out your student loan situation. I love a resource um, 
called Student Loan Planner. I actually know the CEO personally. We're really good friends, but that's just over years of like being in a personal finance space. But if I would have, because this is my major mistake, is that I just paid off my loans and I didn't optimize the way I paid it off. Um, I had $200,000 in student loan debt. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the time I was in public learn, I always mess this up, public service loan forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And um, what I, sh- I, instead of like attacking my debt aggressively, and by the way, I stopped investing because I had already kind of started doing that 10% of investing, but I stopped investing and started throwing all of my money towards this debt as opposed to th- um, investing at the same time. And that cost me $80,000 and I could have had those loans wiped out. So I always recommend, um, if you have, you know, like 50 grand and up in student loan debt, it's worth it to talk to somebody like a student loan planner who they just charge a flat rate one time, work through a plan will tell you, um, these are, these are optimal and it's always changing, right? Because these laws, especially now are really dynamic around student loans, work with somebody like that to get that debt down. All your other debt, you just create a plan around it and work on putting that in your budget as a top line item and focus on one debt at a time, knock that debt out and move on to the other debt. Now I use the debt snowball, which means that you list all your debts from smallest to largest, focus on that smallest debt and pay minimum payments on everything else while aggressively attacking that smallest debt. And that really worked for me because as I was changing my mindset around money, I knew that I couldn't math my way out of that uh, problem. Like by, okay, they're saying like, oh, you pay the highest interest um, cards off first or credit off debt off first because it makes sense you know mathematically well you most people don't math their way into debt they emotionally get into debt for whatever reason um so you have to use that same kind of psyche to get yourself out of debt and so the debt small snowball worked phenomenally for me focusing on one debt and just going hard at that And so, um, yeah, so those are the tools that I would tell people, um, start from where you're at. Don't think that you need to create a business or go outside of, you know, working in the hospital, if that's what you do, or working in the clinic, if that's what you do, start where you're at and see what moves you can make right now. Do one thing at a time, because it can be really overwhelming, but the biggest thing that's probably going to make the big impact is, is not these tools and these techniques is really changing your circle of influence, changing the messaging that you have around you. Okay. Most people around you are broke unless you're just surrounded by millionaires. And if you are, you probably not listen to the podcast, but I mean, maybe you are, <laughs> but, um, if you're, if people around you haven't been successful at paying off debt, haven't been successful uh, saving tons and investing tons of money, um, then you probably need to change who you're listening to. And I'm not saying get rid of your friends, but by changing Mm -hmm. your circle of influence, like I don't care if you need to create a a brand new social media account, um, create that with people that you aspire to. See those messages on a regular basis to normalize the messages that come into our brain. Like, it's, it's hacking marketing, right? So 
like we're marketed to all day, every day, right? But if you can kind of reverse those messages to make them work for you, then you can start changing the way that you think about money. Now, let me just give you an example of like how I do this for my kids because it might help. Um, My kids early on, from the time they're able to talk, knew to ask for Barbie, knew to ask for McDonald's without being able to read. How is that possible, (laughs) right? I'm not talking about these things. It's marketing, right? So instead of being like, okay, I'll buy you these things. I also tell them, you know, it's great to like own these things, but wouldn't it be great if you like, like we're the owner of the companies that make these things. And so what I do is instead of just buying them those things, which they, they got all this stuff and you know, it is what it is. All the things, yeah. I, I ask people to give them stocks um, for their birthday. And if my daughter really likes Roblox, I'm like, well, you're going to own Roblox instead of just getting Roblox dollar bucks or whatever, Robux or whatever they're Mm -hmm. called. And, and so that teaches them to look at marketing and be like, I see what you're doing there and you're doing a good job. So I think I'm going to own you so that I can make my money work for me. And Mm so those are the kind of messages that you need to start um incorporating in your own lives messaging in your own lives and just um making sure that you are surrounding yourself with people who are encouraging you and inspiring you um not 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 the FOMO kind of inspiration but those things like what actionable items can I do to start living like that Um, and so those are the things that I've changed. Like my friends are all people who have retired early, you know, who have paid off, you know, six, seven figures in debt, um, and who have achieved these incredible things that I never would have known was possible unless I started changing my own circle of influence. Yeah. I love that. I think it's, I mean, uh, we talk about often here, which is, um, atomic habits by James clear. And he says, you know, one of the fastest habit hacks is to make sure that you surround yourself with people who are doing the thing that you want to be doing. And, um, and so it's a, it's a great, it's an easy way to sidestep and to get into, uh, you know, different type of thinking, right. If you want Mm -hmm. something different than you currently have, you're going to have to think differently than you currently do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's a part of the game. And I love it. I, I think the zero-based budgeting is interesting. We've in the past probably um, year, maybe 16 months, started doing zero-based budgeting here in this household. And it is, uh, it's fucking, it is, te- I mean, it's fucking terrible. I'll tell you from <laughs> being the person who goes through all the damn expenses, right? On, on QuickBooks, right? Like I'm, or I'm on Quicken and I'm doing my, you know, doing our accounting for the family on a monthly basis. And then having a budget set up so that I understand where we go, you know, above where we, where we go below. And that was my first goal, which was, I want to have the opportunity to know where every dollar comes in and comes out. Cause if we're being honest before probably a year and a half ago, I was not, uh, interested in a lot of that, uh, I mean, if we're being very, very truthful. And so, um, so that's been a huge learning curve for me, just understanding, all the dollars that come in and what comes in and wh- what goes out and where does it go? And then what percentages are we, you know, spending? And then, and just that first step to developing awareness around 
Like, where's all your money go? And are you okay with that? Versus, Mm -hmm. right, taking money and putting it elsewhere, say, investing a little bit more in a retirement account or um, and so I love that. So I think that's a, an amazing tool and one that people are particularly, um, uh, avoidant of, which right. I, so I but love the that. thing is, is that the zero-based budgeting is just one tool. I'd say find a budgeting technique that works for you and just stick to it. There's also something called anti-budget, right? Which Paula Pant is like, if you don't know who Paula Pant is, she's the, uh, podcaster, um, of afford anything like you can afford anything you want, just not everything. Right. And so zero, I mean, anti-budgeting is when you just set a goal. Like my goal is to pay down a thousand dollars every month. As long as I hit that goal, I ain't budgeting nothing else. Yeah. And if you do that consistently over and over, even if you don't optimize every single one of your dollars, you'll still be so far ahead. So find something that works for you and just do it continuously. That's pretty much for everything, right? Yeah. Like find something that works for you that you enjoy doing or is not as like painful. <laughs> and yeah. you'll enjoy doing it because like I said, it's all psychological. You have to trick yourself into believing that this thing works for you over this thing, even though they all work. Right. But it's just what works for you. It's like, yeah. yeah. And I, the other piece too, I love that you talked about fidelity too. I have to admit, I, um, had a couple different retirement accounts and I finally consolidated that consolidated them all rolled them over. Um, and then I, um, or what I, something happened with one of the accounts where I had the opportunity to, um, I don't know, roll it into a Roth or I can't remember what happened that prompted it, but I think maybe it was transfer over to fidelity. And Mm -hmm. I was very impressed because I was, I just about shit my pants when I took that money in the account. And I actually took it out of a traditional account that it was in provided by the employer and then moved it into an index fund. And I was, I palpitations and everything like making a trade, like doing a trade on fidelity. And I was like, doing. I think mm-hmm. I'm just, the money's just going to disappear. I'm going to lose it. Like, and they were, they, I, I was really impressed. The team was really helpful and they walked me through a lot of it. Um, and I would, I just, and I called them a lot of times. I'm going to tell you like they, and they answered and they had answers. And sometimes it would take getting into, I, I had to be transferred to a couple different people, but I was really impressed because I, they, they did answer a lot of the questions and I, and I would say, I, I should probably know this. I don't. And I, I'm going to just ask it because you're, you're more versed well-versed in this than I am. And they were just, they were very gracious and, so nice. you know, they were like, we're here to manage your money and help you manage your money. And, yeah. you know, that's the goal here. And however we get there is how we're going to get there and, you know, no judgment. So I, I just do a, a shout out to them. Um, yeah, okay. I actually wanted to mention something about that though. And this is one of the things that I think goes hand in hand. What more nurses can do is that um, MPs, nurses, that we've had hella jobs. <laughs> Most of us have, right? Yep. And we have retirement accounts at all those places. And you see the anxiety. I could, I could feel the anxiety like coming through the screen of how anxiety provoking that was for you. Well, there's a service that does that for free. <laughs> 
Oh, shut up. Well, of they course take there is. all of your retirement accounts. They'll help you find all of your retirement accounts at different places. And in the back end, Fidelity pays them or whoever they, uh, uh, okay. you know, so that's how they can afford it. So I don't want you to think like it's gimmicky or anything like that because yeah. it's not. It's straightforward. It's free to you. It's called Capital Wise. Um, capitalize and they take your um, retirement accounts and then they um, put them in your own IRA. So this is another um, gem that you need to know. Whenever you leave a company, you take your retirement with you. Do not put it into your company's retirement account. You put it into your own retirement account, your own individual IRA. Now, the key is, and this is why it's important to work with somebody, um, is that sometimes you might put it in the wrong account. Like say, for example, you had a traditional 401k and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna put this in a Roth IRA. But guess what? You're taking yeah. pre-tax money, money that hasn't been taxed and you're putting it into an IRA, you're gonna have a tax event. So you have to put it in a traditional IRA. I mean, a traditional 401k into a traditional IRA. Um, and if you have a Roth 401k, then you can put that into a Roth, your Roth funds. But if just listening to that kind of made your head spin, like I said, there's a free service that does that for you. It's called Capitalize. They are an awesome company. Um, highly recommended. I'm an affiliate for them. Not, and that's not, I'm affiliate for them because that was a service that I know so many people needed, but did not exist until recently. And so I'm happy to spread the word about them. Yeah, I, I agree. I, the, and that's, I think what Fidelity walked me through, which was, well, we can't put it into a Roth. We're going to put it into a traditional IRA. And I was like, mm -hmm. right, whatever, like I'm, mm -hmm. I want to make all the money and save all the money and invest <laughs> all the money. So that sounds good. Um, but I have to admit, I did that probably about a year ago. And I go in there every, not every month or so. I don't check it too often, but, um, and, and just knowing how kind of labile sometimes the market is and stuff, but I'm telling you, there's nothing, there is nothing like going to see your money, go make money for mm -hmm. you. I mean, and watching oh my God. 10 grand, 25 grand, I, like I just, I look at it and I'm like, man, and I have, and I have to stop myself before I start going back to. Well, shit, had you done this from the get-go, we could be a little right. bit different because, you know, that's a whole nother, I don't need any of that drama, but I, I think it's a, um, it's just a, a, something that we probably don't talk enough about in terms of how we invest our money and how we mm -hmm. use our money to make money. And I agree. You don't have anybody who's in your circle. I grew up with a, my dad is an investment maker. So I understood to a degree a little bit more about it. I still didn't know a ton, I would say, but like I knew more about investing in money and the flow of money than probably the average Joe. And, and still to this day, I look at it and I'm like, these are these are lessons that are vital to learn, especially for women. Uh, yes. Like we, we, like we cannot have a group, another generation of women who is ill-prepared to understand how much money they need to live on, how much money they need to survive, what they need to get themselves into retirement and, and, and how their money, how they can use their money to help them make more, more money for mm -hmm. themselves. Like that just yeah. to me is like, we got a lot of work to do on that. Um, but I love that you're, that you're doing this work. Okay. Wait, tell Okay. What then? So we got a little picture of what you're living. The good life is it's a little bit of travel. It's a little bit of YSL. Um, <laughs> what else? We got anything else? What else is living the good life in there for you? 
<laughs> I have my electric car, which is fantastic now because I don't fantastic. pay for gas. I got an unlimited free supercharging. <laughs> so that's good Incredible. for me. Um, being able to live in a nice area for my kids to be able to walk to school is super important to me. Um, so those are good things. The the, the thing I want to say that uh, really changed a lot about mindset too is that um, even though I'm telling you like about the Starbucks and like the dollar aisle at, at um, Target, those things aren't really going to change the needle for you. The things that are going to change the needle for you are those big expenses, right? It is your car and your transportation and where you live. And um, as a rule of thumb, your mortgage or your rent shouldn't be more than 30% of your take-home pay, not your total income, your take-home mm -hmm. pay. Um, and the more you can get that down, the better. So I do things like um, when I buy my houses, I make sure that I have a room that I can rent out to a travel nurse and that heavily drops how much I have to pay um, for my mortgage, right? Or, you know, I wanted a second vehicle. Um, so instead of just having that cost all on my own, I like listed on Toro for days that I'm not driving it. And therefore that second vehicle is basically covered. The cost of the car yeah. and the insurance is covered by somebody else. Yes. There's risk in that there's risk in everything, but it's those things that'll really drive the needle. That'll free up the money that you need to really live the life that you really want and to be able to save for the future. I love it. Um, okay. So people are going to have so many questions for you, <laughs> which I love. Okay. So let's point them so first go, go find smart money on Amazon, number one, mm -hmm. but number two, where can they find you? And, and, um, I know you have a freebie on your website. We will link that in the show notes, but where mm -hmm. can they find, follow you for more inspiration? You've got some fantastic videos. I love watching. I, you put one up about your kids, about like how much money your kids have made. And I was like, yes, like <laughs> I, just so exciting to see that knowledge, you know, not only that you do it for yourself, but that, you know, you're really creating a next generation who is financially astute and, uh, and, and, and so much more so than I think I ever was. And, and so I love it. I think it's incredible, but where can they find you if they want to either reach out, they want to buy your book, they want to take your online course, like they want to hire you as a speaker for their organization. What do they do? How do they find you? So I hang out on Instagram for the most part at Financially Intentional. Um, most of the things are linked there. I'm at financiallyintentional.com where you can get my freebie because most people always ask, where do I get started? So I, so I created a where you should get started guide basically there. Um, with some simple tips and tricks that I've mentioned, some of the things on the podcast that you can do right now to substantially get ahead um, for free. Um so I have that and yeah, just kick it with me on Instagram. Um, talk about change the circle of influence. Um, I, um, I share a lot of just free things on there, but also just follow the people that I follow. <laughs> like that's uh -huh. the way to like, <laughs> yep. Broaden your network, grow your circle of influence. Like, yeah, those suggested yep. people, those personal finance people that I follow, follow all of them, follow all my homies, um, start listening to, um, personal finance podcasts, listen to some audio books, um, 
Um, my girl, Jamila Soufrant just came out with one, but there's some really good um, books out there. Um, Cashing Out by Rich and Regular is an incredible one. Um, it just makes you think about money differently and makes those goals so much more attainable. Um, so yeah, you could follow me. I would love for you to follow me, but I really just want you to use me as a launching pad to change your circle of influence. Love it Good for you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing. Yeah. I really appreciate just your willingness to come and talk and thank you for your, um, your message back to me and you responded and so many <laughs> people don't respond on Instagram. And I figured with the number of people you have following, I was like, well, shit, this will be a drop in the bucket, but we'll, I respond to we'll all see. my DMs as a matter of fact. I mean, unless they're spam, but like it's true story. It's I, I respond to everybody. I might not, it might not be immediate, but I do. Um, because those are some of the deepest connections that I've built. And that's how I've grown my audience is just like by being personable and just yeah. responding. And I actually love those kind of messages because sometimes it's hard, um, when you're putting out content to know that people are actually, you get views and all that kind of stuff, but it doesn't matter. Like, unless I know that it's actually impacting people or that yeah. people want that help. So that's why I respond because, um, it, it makes me feel good that people are actually noticing and that, you know, yeah. it was, a, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing something that's helping. You're doing something and you're doing something <laughs> and it's so worthwhile. And I think it's having an impact and I congratulate you for all the success that you've created for yourself. And I wish you nothing but the best as you continue to go on and build your financial independence and also bring us all along for the journey to teach us how to do it. I love it. So thank you so much for all of that work. Congratulations on your book, on your course, on all of these resources that you have. And you heard Nasima go find her, go listen to her, go find her circle of influence and go follow them too. Get some more people in your feed, in your feed, get some better people in your feed who are going to help you, right? I mean, if you're on the platform, you might as well get something that's useful rather than seeing another, you know, I don't know, um, you know, another not useful post. I mean, right? Like curate it to what you need. Out there. like, There's all a lot. Celebrity stuff. Okay. Who cares? Like, come on. I mean, I do have Beyonce in my feed though. And I love that little video. She oh, just yeah. had a post up with like this little outfit on. I was like, I did see goals, that. 2024 goals for me. So anyways, but no, get, so I love it. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate that you took the time and um, we wish you nothing but the best. I appreciate you being here. Thanks. What I should actually say, and I'm so horrible at this. See, I'm very bad at self-promotion. I have a podcast as well. It's oh, called the yes. Financially Intentional Podcast. <laughs> and I have some amazing um, guests on there, but for nurses. So it used to be called Nurses on Fire um, because I just wanted to introduce nurses to other nurses that were on fire that are financially independent. So if you scroll back to older episodes, you can find some phenomenal nurses on their path to financial independence. Not saying that the current episodes, uh, the current episodes are more mixed and have just, uh, it's just for my general audience, but most of my audience is nurses. So I have some amazing nurses on my podcast, but just some tips and tricks that basically anybody can benefit from, but I love helping my nurses. So please listen to and subscribe to the Financially Intentional Podcast. Um, and yeah, go back through those episodes. It's over 200 episodes for you to binge if you wanted to. That's fantastic. We'll put it in the show notes and yes, go yes. find, uh, go find the show, go like it, go subscribe and go share it with another yes. nurse and let's help build the movement. So thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you so much. 
Hey, it's Ann. Are you thinking about starting a private practice but feeling super overwhelmed? If so, I totally get it. And that's exactly why I created the private practice startup checklist along with a free training that's going to help you create a private practice that's successful, i.e. it's a private practice that's going to make you some money, which is good. So go over to www.nurseslivingthegoodlife.com and scroll all the way to the bottom. You will find that free training and you can sign up for it and get access today. Stop waiting, stop spending money, stop overthinking, get the checklist, get the free training and get on your way. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. Go to www.nurseslivingthegoodlife.com and get started now.